0: Greetings and welcome to another edition of AUHSC Future Talks. I'm your host, Superintendent Michael Matsuda. And as our 7,000 plus podcast listeners know, that this show is dedicated to the future of education and what that means for our nearly 30,000 young people. And uh, in terms of educational opportunities, uh, careers, jobs, and what the future holds for them and what we're trying to do to transform education to make it more meaningful and purposeful for our young people. We've been lucky to have so many special guests and uh, from higher ed, presidents, deans, and as well as our own teachers and even students. Today's guest, his name is Santana Reese. He's the deputy director for the Center of Educational Partnerships for the School of Education. Santana, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Glad to be here. Yeah. So um, before I go into what your title means, because that's a long title, Santana. Uh, <laughs> well, the director is the main title. It's the rest that's long. It's the rest, the uh, Center for Educational Partnerships. And we'll go into that because I think that that really is the uh, the meat of this uh Conversation is what this uh, this collaborative. Uh, all, what is it all about? But I really want to uh, hear from you, Santana, because you have such a, a lived experience that reflects the experience of so many of our young people. Could you tell us a little bit about your your experience in life? Sure. So,
1: so I we'll start off with what surprises people. I identify as Chicano, but however, I'm. Um, the oldest of five siblings, son of, son of uh, immigrant parents from Ali school, So both my parents were farm workers. So I grew up, grew up in the Coachella Valley. So I'm a rural country boy. Uh, growing up, started working at the age of 12 out in the fields, picking grapes. My dad got lucky. As a matter of fact, he was fortunate that uh, he ended up at a, at a Japanese-owned farm, and he rather than we used to do follow the harvest up and down the state, he offered him a stable job as being sort of like the ranch hand. And that gave him more comfort. And after I was born, he didn't want to be moving around. So we stayed in Oasis, California, uh, grew up there pretty much until I came to UCI as an undergrad, but lived a typical rural experience, uh, obviously low income. Uh, well, I didn't know growing up I was low income because I was surrounded by folks with my same situation. We're all children of farmers. And uh, so, but I think in looking back, I always thought that was a benefit. That's what made me an avid reader because we lived in a ranch. We had no neighbors. And we had this thing called the Bookmobile, which was a mobile library. It came once a month. That was our excitement. Once a month, we knew we could check out as many books as possible. So my siblings and I would check out as many books. And back then, it didn't matter what grade level they were. If they were hard, well, we had to read them anyway. Uh, And uh, that was, besides playing around the farm, we read. And that's because my dad was an avid reader, too. He, every day after coming home from work, he would always read. And we saw that. We witnessed that. So he was modeling it. He didn't do it on purpose, that's just what he did. So we thought, okay, that's what you do. And we, so all, all, all my five siblings, four of the five went on to uh, college and beyond. Uh, my youngest sister is a little different story. She's doing great, but she was just not the college type,
0: but we were good with, we we're okay with that. So, so it must have been, been a of cultural, cultural change to, change
1: to come to us. Yep, yeah, if people are not familiar, Coachella, before it became Coachella, as it's now known, uh, about 99% Latino. So other than a few, you know, then obviously you had Palm Springs. But, yeah, very. So definitely for myself, uh, a a culture shock when I came to UCI, which in the late 80s, it was still predominantly white and Asian. Uh, But I was fortunate that my best friends is kindergarten. We came to UCI together. So we were roommates. So we each had our own security blanket. At least we knew we had each other. Uh, and then we, we navigated the world. But yeah, UCI was definitely an eye-opening experience. I got a little advantage because I came to Summerbridge, uh, the summer before you enroll, a program to help low-income students just kind of get prepared. And that's where I, I really got a little more sense of diversity. Uh, and, and the importance of interacting with different people. So yes, uh, it, it definitely was from a small rural town to, even though Irvine is back then, it was still kind of suburban. It was still a different adaptation, which I'm sure many of the students we work with, it's the same issue, whether you're urban or rural, uh, going to a university campus requires adaptation. So as a
0: student, though, you got involved in some of the um, sort of advocacy for for change, for especially for Latino students and, you know, kind of from on the outside, you know, kind of pushing this institution. And now, and could you tell us a little bit about your involvement there and maybe why you identify as a Chicano?
1: Yes. And actually, the funny story behind this is, when I got there, when I got to UCI, my, my identity was I'm Mexicano, I'm Mexican. That's how my bro- – my... Chicano was a negative term, as media would portray Chicano as Chicano gangs. Uh, so for my parents, says, you're Mexican, Mexicano. And it's funny because when I got to UCI, I actually rushed for the traditional Greek fraternity, which is even now to some extent, they're not very diverse. But during the whole process, the pledge process and so forth, then I I got to meet folks at the Cross-Cultural Center. And they kind of started giving me a different perspective, especially folks from East L.A., from Northern California, from the Central Valley, which was similar to us. And and that just opened my eyes. So by year two, I joined Mecha, which was the Chicano Student Organization. And that just further, but what I tell people is, The stronger I identified as Chicano, the more comfortable I was with my identity. I actually found it very easy to interact with the Greeks, with other cultures, other organizations, because I was secure in my identity. And people think that if you're in MedCham, if you're in some type of organization, you're, you know, you're a nationalist or you're this. I think it's the contrary. Once you identify and you have a strength, you know who you are then you're not afraid to interact. And you're proud to, to, to yes, I'm Chicano. And people, you know, people listen to you differently. So yes, I eventually became co-chair of MEDCHA. Uh, and then we eventually, folks that are familiar, we, we actually formed strong unions with the Greek organization. We elected uh, Jose Solorio as university, student body president for the university. And it had been a while. He wasn't the first Latino. But after that, we erected, We also elected Rigoberto Rodriguez, student body president. And then we had a string. My youngest brother got elected. He went to UCI. He also got elected as UCI president. Wow. And back then, it was because we weren't a far-left isolationist organization. We actually developed partnerships, which kind of is ironic and led to my future and collaborations with folks that didn't agree with our positions, but we kind of had one thing in goal. Let's make UCI a better place. And we agreed on that. And and fast forward,
0: so as Deputy Director for the Center of Educational Partnerships, you have, uh, along with Stephanie Reyes-Tuccio and um, the entire uh, partnership team, really made a huge and profound difference uh, in terms of, bringing in uh, more Latinx students into the university.
1: That is correct. We are an official Hispanic-serving institution at 25%. But you know, we are celebrating our 25th year anniversary this year, uh, November 4th to be exact. Hope to see you there. Uh, and the fact that we've, and we were the first Center for Educational Partners in the UC system. Dr. Juan Francisco Lara and Dr. Manuel Gomez had the vision it actually was. It was developed after 1996, when affirmative action was eliminated, with Proposition 209 and sp one and sp 2 When the University of California eliminated affirmative action a year before the state initiative, we were actually called the EOPSAA office, the Equal Opportunity Program slash Student Affirmative Action. But once the proposition passed, that was a that was like the dirty word. You can't be. Right. Being affirmative action because we eliminated. So we created the Center for Educational Partnership. And, and the goal and the goal of that is to do what? Well, the goal is to obviously low-income, first generation, underrepresented students. The whole goal is to make sure they have access and options. We prepare them to be eligible for a four-year institution. Primarily the UC, but we've evolved over the years. Now it includes our community college partners. We know how competitive it is to be admitted. So Our goal is to prepare the student to have options. They decide if they want to go to a UC, a Cal State, a community college, or a private school. And that's done through a variety of programs, strategies, but the key is developing partnerships. That is the key. We know we can't do it alone. Uh, And and that's a simple rule. You need partners to impact the most students. So could you
0: describe... um, the, you know, from a partner perspective from higher ed, the uh, relationships that have developed through the Anaheim Collaborative and what that has meant for kids?
1: Well, once, and we consider Anaheim, actually one of our newest partnerships uh, officially twenty was it 2015, 2016, Uh, But the class of 20. So one of our newest partners compared to another partnership we have, what we're known for, the Santa Ana partnership, which is over 30 years old. But once we're a partner, there's mutual accountability. I think that's key. Obviously, there's trust. So that when we come to the table, we hold hold each other accountable. There is resources where we have resources, we share resources. But the trust the sharing of resources, the common goal of making sure students succeed. And I think we evolved together. And what I mean by that is we realize that, you know, education is not linear. Uh, My favorite saying is I tell people it's more than just the books, man. That's the reality. Uh, It's we know the academics are important, but once we're on the same page as partners that the path it's different for different students, uh, that it's, it's becoming more critical. The things you learn outside the classroom are just as important as what you learn in the classroom to succeed in today's society. And that's a mantra. I use that actually in my personal statement for graduate school. And I think that's what got me in. I really ex- expressed, I was an okay student, but I made an emphasis on the classes. What I learned as a metric coach here, what I learned in being an activist. What I learned in dealing with community issues and what I learned with internships in corporate America, that may be a stronger student to succeed in graduate school. And he got me admitted. So I try to share that with the students as well. And and we have the data to back that up. We all know it's getting more competitive. I mean, we had over 109 applications to UCI and we're probably- 109,000. 109,000 applications for an enrollment target of around 6,000 students. That itself explains. UCLA had an admit rate for this fall of 10%. That's Ivy League status. So it is more than just a classroom. Students have to be well-balanced. And I think Anaheim does an excellent job. I I keep saying this, the five C's. That's exactly what a reader wants to to read. I read applications as well. I've been doing it for over 20 years. when you could, it's a given. We know you're going to have good grades. You're applying to the UC. We expect you to have good grades. But the other things that you could talk about or write about, uh, character, uh, and what all the five C's components, that gives, I think, an applicant an advantage. And I think Anaheim is a model for that. Wow. Now, you also talked about Not only
0: about the five C's, but also about it seems like a lot of Anaheim kids are coming in with a sense of purpose, Uh, as opposed to resumes. uh, You know, I'm captain of the tennis team or on the football team. When those are important, but the sense of purpose are 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 really uh, you know we're trying
1: to intentionally cultivate that. Could you could you comment on that? Well, you know, there's even a practical reason for the sense of it's important that students have a sense of purpose. Why? Because when it's so competitive, we only have so much spaces. We want students to graduate in four years. We want, we want students to really have that sense of purpose to be ready, have the skill set to really be there three to four years. Even though the average student, I I, I took five years, but that's still about the average. But with that sense of purpose, it just, you know, go on to graduate school, go on to the, the, the working world. That just, I think, makes it easy for the transition and to succeed at UCI. Uh, you know, you have until your sophomore year, technically your second year, to declare a major. And I tell students, the average student changes their major three to five times. So, it, it, you know, sense of purpose doesn't mean I, I'm going to be a doctor, this is it. Sense of purpose is... This is what I want to do for the rest of my. This is what I'm passionate about, and I'm not sure what career is going to feed that passion, but definitely, I'm going to be prepared here, whatever major I am. <clears throat> Thinking we want kids to think, this not this linear thing that you have to do this. There are exceptions for like engineers or certain very STEM more well, focused, but for right, the rest right. of the majors.
0: So the fact that you is
1: intentionally
0: building purpose through things like TED Talks, right? We have uh, so many kids doing TED Talks. That that helps tease out a a kid's emotion and their purpose and their passion about what they want to do with their lives. And so what you're saying is it's evidenced in the um, application, but it's also evidence in the success of Anaheim cohort. You had spoken earlier about GPAs and
1: persistence rates. Could you comment on that? Yes, and I'm sorry I I couldn't find it, but that was phenomenal when we we tracked the first two quarters of the Anaheim students that came to UCI. And the data was phenomenal. Uh, over 80%, if I'm not mistaken, had a 3.5 GPA or above after winter quarter, after two quarters. That is definitely above the campus average. Uh, and then, and it didn't go, Dip below that, I think we only had one student that was below a 2.5. But that right there explained how these students were well-prepared, which is usually the toughest quarter, the first quarter, because that requires adjustment. And that's when students, you know, we have a quarter system. So we're talking 10 weeks. They're coming from a semester to a quarter system where your midterm is in week three or four, and you have to read a book a week. The fact that these students did so well, it, it just this, this is we're going to follow again this year's cohort. We're going to see if it's if it's I, I think it's not a one year uh, group. I think it's, it's a testament to how the pledge is holistic in its approach. It's comprehensive. It's not just about SAT, A through G's uh, and, and what you need to get in. It's about having that skill set to succeed and thrive. And with that, and I shared that that it's a fault. The class of twenty twenty uh, did a phenomenal job of proving us right. I know those are awesome numbers. Now, could you also
0: you also shared numbers about persistence rates? Could you first of all explain what that means uh, for higher ed and and how the Auhsd cohort?
1: Uh, well, well, persistence when it's it could be we have two ways: year to year, quarter to quarter. We track both ways, so phenomenal. The average persistent rate, well, we also put it into context. Uh, We have to clarify. Typically, UC students that get admitted are are high-performing students. Mm -hmm. So there's not, so, and then we really focus to, we make sure, because folks leave, students leave the university for non-academic reasons. Life happens. So we also take that into consideration. So when we just do specifically for, whether well, they left based on academic issues, uh, it's about a 92%, 90%. Uh, and Anaheim is in that range as well, probably a little bit higher. Uh,
0: so- I you had mentioned it's close to 94%. We were, we we're all writing that stuff down, 93 plus, 93. 94. Yeah,
1: 93, 94. It was phenomenal. Yeah. The campus average, like for Latino students is 88%. Uh, but yes, our other folks say, well, yeah, it's a UC student. They are, they technically are more prepared. They're more academically, they're academically stronger, so they should persist." But we also remind them, you know, that doesn't mean I have many anecdotal, we have valedictorians that fail their first quarter. Because uh, for a variety of mental, mental health issues, it could be uh, issues at home. Now you add the pandemic, there's an extra layer of other issues that our students are dealing with. But that also talks about the resources that's important for a partnership. We make sure for our partners that we pass the baton and to some extent, make sure that our students from Anaheim, Santa Ana, Compton, El Monte are connected to all the resources at our campus to make sure they succeed. Uh, I mean, our focus is K-12, but I think we value, We. it's funny now, well, I shouldn't say it's funny, but for the many grants, we're also starting to get, and rightly so, we're being held accountable, not only that our students that we serve get in, but do they succeed? Do they graduate between, with, within four or five years of the degree? So we take that seriously and we make sure there's resources available. So, so, so you know,
0: you, know, when you see
1: putting yeah. a pause on STG. teaching
0: seems to be, be a vacuum. How, How do you assess incoming students?
1: What does, what does that mean? mean? or future classes? <laughs> well, yeah, there, we're, we're in the process of analyzing that trend, but for some of our partner schools, uh, it made, I mean, I'll give you an example of where this was something phenomenal happened with one of our partner school districts. Uh, Compton Unified School District. For the past five or seven years, we've had maybe three to five students come to UCI from the whole district. For fall of 2021, we're having 33 coming just from Compton Unified School District. Broke a world record there. So was it the SAT that they didn't have to because traditionally, you know, the SAT doesn't do, our communities don't do well in the SAT. But I tell folks our comprehensive review process, there's 14 factors taking out the testing just eliminated one. There's still 13 factors that the side of a student gets admitted, so it's not that. I don't want to say it's not a big deal, but students are still well prepared. It just kind of symbolizes, or every you know, for folks to say, "Well, maybe the SAT wasn't that big of a predictor of college success." So more to come because it's early, but I think the test 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 tasting test taking anxiety that exists, especially in a lot of our communities. Uh, will be decreased or eliminated at least for that portion. It's going to help, but you know they'll put strain on us because it's still nine UC campuses and we still don't have enough state funding to to admit more students.
0: And the one or two minutes that we have left, Santana, what uh, what is your crystal ball? What do you see uh, is going to happen? Are or- um, in, in respect to the Anaheim Collaborative, the, the work that we've done in, in the pledge, where do, you, where do you think it needs to go in terms of continuing this transformation of educational systems?
1: Well, I think it's, well, it's definitely heading in the right direction, but I think the five C's and the partnership with the corporate, the dual and uh, – oh, my God, I, I'm losing track – the community college pathways – they're starting early. I think that's the key from now on. Multiple pathways to success, and school districts have to. I think Anaheim is a model that there's multiple pathways to success for each individual student. It's not all about going to the top school right out of high school. There's many ways, pathways, and I think Anaheim is the model for that. Uh, different skill sets, and that's a way. We're, we're, they're doing a good job of veering from the traditional linear approach that's been used forever. It's, 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 it's a tree with many branches, and that ensures that more students find that passion rather than in the old days when you were tracked, college or no college, workforce. I think this is a model of what the future, because uh, there's going to be some good jobs, even with the technology that might not require a college degree. They might require a certificate. And that is okay. Uh, So there's still going to be plenty of jobs for everyone, but it's all about the student deciding based on their passion. You know what? Maybe college is not for me. But if I do an internship and get a Microsoft certificate, I'm still going to be successful. And I should be proud of that. And I think that's where we're headed. And this is a model for that.
0: It's all about redefining success and uh, sort of. uh you know, giving uh, more opportunities. Like you said, I love the uh, metaphor of the tree with many branches. So um, we are out of time. Santana goes very fast. And I mm-hmm. uh, want to really, uh, on behalf of the 30,000 students and their families and the future of Anaheim, wanna, we're really grateful to UCI as a partner and all of your work uh, in leadership. Santana, you're such a, you're a very humble man, and I uh, after hearing your story, I understand your past, your passion, right? You have found your passion and your calling, and All you're right. so amazing at it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Looking forward to the next 25 years of partnership.